Welcome to Season 11 of the Pop Culture Preservation Society. Patreon is our only source of income, and we thank you all so much for helping us do this job we love. To learn more, go to patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, and put Pop Culture Preservation Society in the search bar. Thank you so very much, and please enjoy the show. It is truly like the adult said, Mm -hmm. you guys just go hang out for 30 minutes. We're going to just leave these cameras rolling. Yeah. We're going to come back in we're 30 minutes. We're going to go for a smoke break. Yeah. And we'll come turn and the whatever, cameras off. Whatever you guys have done, that's going to be next week's episode. Yeah. Hello, world. There's a song that we're singing. Come on, get happy. A whole lot of love and it's what we'll be bringing. We'll make you happy. Welcome to the Pop Culture Preservation Society, the podcast for people born in the big wheel generation who didn't need a bowl or a spoon to eat their cereal on Saturday mornings. We believe our Gen X childhoods gave us unforgettable songs, stories, characters, and images. And if we don't talk about them, they'll disappear like Marshall, Will, and Holly on a routine expedition. And today, we're saving the show for kids, by kids, that has kept the Boston zip code at the tip of our tongues for five decades. Oh, two, two one, one, three, four. I'm Carolyn. I'm Kristen. And I'm Michelle. And we are your pop culture preservationists. If you were a kid between 1972 and 1980, chances are you were glued to the TV for a half hour each week watching a cast of motley, messy-haired Boston kids dressed in jeans and striped turtlenecks, often barefoot, running amok in a large TV studio, playing silly games, acting out plays and costumes straight out of your grandma's closet, dancing like no one was watching, speaking in a funny made-up language, and belting out the Boston zip code on Zoom. It was a show we felt a part of, one we saw ourselves in, and we were entranced. I kind of want to imitate them dancing now. (laughs) Here, I'm going to do it. I think of the Charlie Brown kids. Oh, look at you go, girl. Right? Yeah. Yes. You are doing Um, it right. You guys are wearing stripes. I should have worn stripes. Well, yes, of Uh, course. Don't they kind of remind you of the Charlie Brown kids dancing? Yeah, their heads are always down. (laughs) Totally. I mean, these, it was much like the short circus on Electric Company. The Zoom kids were just a little bit older than me, and they felt like teenagers. They were probably 11, 10, right? But that was Mm -hmm. older than me, so they felt like teenagers, which made them so cool. Yeah. They were they were aspirational for me. Unfortunately, really? Zoom was another one of those shows where I didn't know when it was on. And so when I caught it, it felt like I'd won the lottery every time I saw Zoom. It was always by accident. And I just think it's so Gen X of me to have this want, this this need but I keep it to myself. (laughs) I don't ask anyone for help. I could have been like, hey, mom, could you look in the TV guide and tell me when Zoom is on and then turn on the TV for me? But no, no. It was like I didn't think adults served any purpose. (laughs) (laughs) Well, neither did the show really, right? There weren't any adults on there. Okay, it's confession time, you guys. I got to tell you, I had a little trepidation going into this episode because, you know, I wasn't, do I dare say it, a Zoom fan. Okay. Are you too old? Well, here's the deal. This isn't a, I didn't watch it, but this is an, I wasn't a fan. Well, I guess I should say I wasn't. Look at Michelle's face. She's she's really sad. She's going to start crying. Let's clarify maybe what is a fan. If you didn't watch something very often, how could you ever become a fan? Mm -hmm. So I'm not, it's not that I watched it and disliked it. It's more like I didn't really watch it. I have vague memories. Like when we see the comments in Instagram, I'd be like, I don't have that kind of memory. People had very specific ones. For me, it was maybe kind of in the background. So I'm thinking, well, maybe my sister watched it. I did a little research Mm -hmm. to figure this out. So this show was uh, geared toward pre-adolescence. So we're Mm -hmm. past uh, Sesame Street age, Mr. Rogers. This show, from what I could tell, in answer to your question, Kristen, came on 435, 530 in Mm -hmm. the evenings, okay? This part of my life we ate so early. We ate dinner so early. Oh, my fine. dad had sh- worked shift 
hours. And so I think my mom liked to feed my sister and I like at 4.30 or 5 just to like get mm-hmm. us done mm-hmm. and into bed early. So I don't think we watch TV at this time. That is my theory as to yeah. why I yep. did not watch it as regularly as other people. I knew about it. I could kind of sing the song, but not to the extent that I know the two of you um, loved it and mm-hmm. that so many of our followers yeah. loved it. So that's my theory. I tend to remember the season one and two cast best, but mm-hmm. that means I must have caught those in reruns because season one and two, I was only three. I mostly remember, my memories are tied to the opening, my memories are tied to uh, cast members and to all the games. I was always so mm-hmm. up for just silly, dumb, easy games, and that's why I thought it was so fun. And you still I don't, are. I don't think it was like Can my say that, Michelle? <laughs> We played That's a few true. dumb, silly games That's with true. you and at your house, but they've been so fun. Fun emphasized. Thank I'm all you. about. I was all about the shirts. Honest to God. I mean, yeah. does that make me shallow? I don't know. But I was just like, those shirts are so cool. I know. I want to be one of those cool kids in the striped shirts. It was a club, right? It was like it was a club. You wanted <gasps> That's those. what it is. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be in their striped shirt club. Mm-hmm. 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 Well, Zoom aired on PBS from January 1972 to February 1978, and then in reruns until September of 1980, which is, I was saying, that's probably mm-hmm. when I caught them mostly between like 76 and 80. Um, and as we all know so well, it was uh, produced and it originated in Boston. Oh, two, one, three, four. Uh, WGBH TV. Fun fact, you guys, we have a listener, Ellen, who recently started working at WGBH TV. Oh, come on. No. And she actually sent us a DM just last week, said she got off on the wrong floor and look what she stumbled into and sent pictures. And it was the Zoom door. She's like, I'm in Zoom land. It was the Zoom sign, the Zoom door. It's like maybe- It where exists? They, where like, they it keep exists stuff. today? Well, it, I think it's from the 1999 reboot, but it it's the same. Yeah, it looks the same. I'll have it's to send you those logo pictures. That logo gives mm-hmm. me chills. Yeah. I Like, just to see that right. sign, that little yeah. Zoom sign. Well, and she's even said to us, if there's, I'm going to see if there's anybody around, like, you know, that was here when when Zoom was on and that kind of stuff. Wow. So that's, I think that's so fun, Ellen. I just want to share mm-hmm. something quickly about WGBH, how lucky she is to work there, because so many PBS shows that we all yes. loved started at WGBH, oh, really? Beyond Zoom, like, Julia Child, her kitchen and all that, her show was from WGBH. Masterpiece Theater, Bob Vila and This Old House were all through that public uh, television station. I think WGBH needs to have a little museum. Wouldn't that be fun? Don't you think? The WGBH Museum. Oh, yeah, because it it impacted the culture of the entire United States. Yes. Think about it. It's the only zip code besides your own that you know. Okay, (laughs) 90210. We know 90210. Oh, that's true. And 02134. Uh-huh. <laughs> and you even know, send it to Zoom, Box 350. Yeah. You even know mm-hmm. the address. Boston so. Mass. <laughs> I know. Well, although Zoom was inspired by Sesame Street and Electric Company, its intent was to give the kids who watched it a voice without adults on screen. Seriously, where were the adults? <laughs> I didn't was even it, notice that. You're was right, it a coup? None. I know. Did none. I don't know. I'm Now I'm wondering, did the Zoom kids tie them all up and take over the studio? <laughs> right? The show was pretty much all unscripted, which is why if you watch it now, currently, like old episodes, (laughs) you kind of feel like you're watching your kids and their friends put on a show. You have to sit through and act like it's amazing. Yes. But at the time, we loved it, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think this is so interesting. The Zoomers, that's what they called the cast members, had contracts that prohibited them from making any television appearances or doing commercials for three years after they left the show so that they stayed normal. I'm using air quotes here, you know, (laughs) as normal as you can after you've gotten to wear the striped shirt, so that they stayed normal kids. And the Zoomers, who were all between the ages of 7 and 12, were on heavy rotation. Like they purposefully avoided keeping any of them on the show for too long. And they capped them out at 13 weeks because the creator's main focus was on promoting a diverse view of childhood. So they wanted all types of kids, all kids who all look different, constantly rotating. So we all felt included, you know? And it makes sense now that I don't – I thought it was because I couldn't catch it regularly that I didn't remember any of the kids. Now I know it's not me. 
Mm-hmm. They were rotating those kids in and out. And I will say that's one of my disappointments about the show because yeah. I couldn't attach myself to any of the kids. But as far as them wanting to be normal kids, okay, number one, wow, did that work? And it is like <laughs> the opposite of Barney. Think about it. Oh, like those so, kids oh, who those were, kids. it was like ultra scripted and sorry, Selena Gomez, I love you, but it was painful. It was oh, so painful. Like, like they're all so performative in these very childlike ways. And this was ultimately unperformative. They were, just like you said, they're coming down the stairs to put on a show for all the people at the dinner party. Right. I mean, we could totally relate. I mean, the viewer could say, yes. that's me. I can't really, yeah. you know, dance either. Well, and also just even things like the way they looked. They had messy mm-hmm. hair. I had messy right. hair all the yes. time. Yes. And I think the part you said, comparing it to Barney, is so true, because in preparing for this episode and watching some old Zoom episodes, I've noticed that their conversations, so unscripted that they stop and start and mess up, and you can tell they're grasping for words and they don't know what they're going to say. I mean, it's truly like there's no adult on set. It is truly like the adult said, Mm -hmm. you guys just go hang out for 30 minutes. We're going to just leave these cameras rolling. Yeah. We're going to come back in We're 30 minutes. We're going to go for a smoke break. Yeah. And we'll <laughs> right. come turn and the whatever, cameras off. Whatever you guys have done, that's going to be next week's episode. Yeah. Yeah. So it seemed like we could just pull up a chair and sit right with them or cross our legs on the floor and have a wrap with them. I mean, they seemed that a relatable. Yeah. <laughs> they weren't short circus, you know, singing and being able to no. carry a tune. They were sitting, you know, could have been right next to you in your classroom. You know, imagine what the audition process was, because I, usually I'm thinking in the audition process, they're looking for kids with a certain sparkle or a certain um, level of performance. And I'm guessing that they would ax those kids like, oh, no, she's look at her smiley dimple. Nope. Get rid mm-hmm. of her. <laughs> Where's the one with the messy right. hair? Bring right. her back in. I was about in. to say, the ones that the moms like brushed their hair yes. and put it like in curly pigtails <laughs> a bow. or something. Oh, she had a oh, bow. Yeah. Oh, Get no bows. Yeah. No bows. Do you guys have any castmates you remember specifically? I literally, not one, except for Bernadette. Oh, Bernadette, but I, sure. And, but I think I'm also mixing up Bernadette with one of the girls in the short circus on Electric Company. Is that possible? Yeah, Am I doing that? Of course it is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I do think I remember Bernadette mostly, well, the arm trick, but also because of her name. Because right. I was like, Bernadette? That's like Bernie. What is this? Yeah. And I remember associating it with the name Bendix, which was the name of <laughs> Ramona Quimby's doll. Yes, it yes. was. Yes. And she thought Bendix. Everyone's like, Ramona, why are you naming your doll Bendix? That's ugly. She's like, no, beautiful. it's beautiful. Well, if Bernadette you think about like Bernadette, um, now I, I love that name. Um, Bernadette, if you're listening, we do love your name. <laughs> <laughs> I had a friend classmate in fifth grade and her name was Emily. And I used to think that poor girl whose mother <laughs> named her Emily, because it's such an old fashioned name, name, right? It's such a grandma name. Yeah. Like it, and in the in the late 70s, early 80s, you did not hear that name Emily. I don't think right? I had any friends named Emily. Of no. course not. No. They were all named Michelle. And yes. Lisa or Kristen. <laughs> Amy. Guys, I thought that was the most awful name. That poor girl. Listeners, for those of you who don't know, I named my daughter Emily. <laughs> Because by 1995, I loved that name. And poor Emily, just like Michelle and Kristen, Mm -hmm. went to school with a million Emilys because in 1995, everybody loved that name. So one thing, going back to Bernadette, um, a lot of the cast members through all the seasons, and we're going to talk about uh, diversity in just a minute, but they all had such unusual names that we had never heard. It wasn't a lot of Lisa's and Amy's and Kristen's and Jennifer's. I wanted to share that, of course, because I didn't really watch the show or have a whole lot of memories. I had to do a little research when it came Mm -hmm. to the cast members, and I thought this was a really cool story. So I might not have had a favorite, but Michael Jackson did. What? I know. Oh, that scares me. No. Oh. Oh, no. Well, as a kid. Okay, let's just start this over again. (laughs) Okay, sorry. Gosh. Say as a kid. Okay, sorry. Little little Michael Jackson. There we go. Yeah. So little Michael Jackson had a favorite cast member. So if you remember, the two of you who watched the show, there was a cast member named Leon Mobley. And his introduced, when he came out and, you know, Mm -hmm. they showcased their little talent, he was a drummer. He went on to be a session drummer in some bands and went out to L.A. And one day he was recording with a musician named Ben Harper in Los Angeles. And then one of the recording studio workers came over and said, somebody in the adjacent studio would um, be thrilled if he could meet you. And Leon said, well, sure, send him over. So that artist was none other than Michael Jackson. Oh, my God. So little Michael Jackson. He watched Zoom. 
The little boy yeah. in Michael Jackson was so excited to meet Leon Mobley, this cast member from Zoom. That's how yeah. much of an impact some of wow. these cast members had mm-hmm. on the wa- because on people they were who real. Because exactly. they were real people. And let's think about it. All that Michael Jackson wanted was to be a real kid. I mean, this could get real deep and dark, yeah. right? But yeah. that's what he wanted. He wanted to be a real kid. That's right. Well, yeah, even though the intent of the creators was to keep them normal kids, like you said earlier, Kristen, they'll live on forever in our memories. Mm-hmm. Bernadette still is overwhelmingly a fan favorite as far as, especially with our listeners, whenever we put mm-hmm. um, a post on social media about Zoom, everybody, I remember Bernadette, I, it's the arm trick, sure, but they all just love <laughs> Bernadette. I was reading a couple of articles and um, in one of them, the author said that she was his first crush. What? Yes, that oh was gosh. his first celebrity crush was Bernadette. Oh my god. And I bet you that was the case with some uh, with some of these cast members yeah. is yeah. that mm-hmm. they were some of um the viewers first crushes. Do you yeah. remember the little boy? I think his name was David. He looked kind of like an elf. He had like sideburns <laughs> almost and kind of pointy. <laughs> Um, and then Mara, I liked Mara, and you guys, a lot Maura. of them talked with such a heavy Boston, Boston accent. So heavy, yes. I was rewatching one, and she's, you know, someone sends in a letter, and they want them to do a game called the limbo, and they have to arch their backs. <laughs> and I was like, arch, arch. Mm-hmm. They arch their backs. When they're going to read the letter. <laughs> yeah. We, and I was laughing. I had to rewind it. It was so cute. Arch and it's their- so funny, because I think if you plucked a bunch of kids from Boston today, they might not have those accents. But back then, they were just plucked right from the neighborhoods. Yeah. My idea is a game called Limbo. The game is played with an arch, usually made of wooden sticks. The arch should be at least four feet high and about five feet wide. So Zoom's purpose was to get the kids, us kids, the viewing audience involved in the show, to really make them feel a part of the show. Maybe, like you said, Michelle, maybe that's why they told the Zoomers not to brush their hair because, you know, <laughs> stars, they're just like us. They were so raggedy. But it yes, was that raggedy. Whole, yeah, Great they were word. raggedy. <laughs> yes. They did not have hair and makeup before recording. They just <laughs> dro- I think their parents dropped them off, like slow down to five, drop them off at yes. the studio. Got your shirt. Did you get your striped shirt? <laughs> I'm going to go park the car. No, the, parents the, all car. Went out, the parents all then went out for the smoke break and pie yes. with all the like the producers and the directors. And then they the locked him in the studio and turned pushed, on the camera. He pushed record and ran. Yes. So it was really the whole send it to Zoom. That mm-hmm. was their call to action in every single show. Send it to Zoom was the driver of the show. They wanted to encourage the kids watching to feel like they had agency, like they were competent, and they had a say in what was on the show. This way, we would feel like we were a part of the cast. So the entire show was divided into segments driven by viewer letters. We're going to read a letter. <laughs> there was um, Zoom Do and Zoom Game and Zoom Play. Carolyn already mentioned Zoom Rap. And it was utterly inclusive. It wasn't just like the the gymnasts doing gymnastics and the crafters who did crafts or the dancers who did the dances. Anyone could get involved and show us how to do these things, no matter how inexperienced they were. The dances and the plays performed by the Zoomers were very obviously and endearingly amateur, <laughs> which made all of us who were watching feel like we were included and invited. Mm -hmm. Everything was for everyone. It wasn't for us to sit back and admire their talent. It was like, come on, let's do some somersaults. Oh, yeah. It was ridiculous. Here's a letter from Jamie in Portland, Maine. She wants to know how long you can stand on one foot. Yeah. And then they all get up and stand up. Well, let's see. Let's see how long I can do it. And as a viewer, I'm getting up too in front of my TV and I'm standing on one foot. Of course. Right. We all did. And that was especially, this inclusivity was especially important for those kids who might not have felt included in school or other social situations. And this um, this is the awareness that adults in the early 1970s had that maybe we don't have quite as much today. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, how lucky were we to grow up in the 70s and some the Zoom shows, the Sesame Streets, the electric companies, the diversity, the openness to all. It just yes. was well, how we grew yes. up, which I mm-hmm. think is one of the reasons right now feels just so yucky to me yes. because it's just not what, I don't know what my foundation was. 
Well, and think about it. Our emphasis today, and I don't know if we should raise our hands and say we're part of the problem. Emphasis for children today is being gifted. I hear people talking about their child's passion all the time. All the time. Well, it's really her passion. Like she's in kindergarten. She doesn't have a passion, (laughs) right? People start sports when they're three. And let's be honest, parents, you're not doing it for them to get the exercise. You're hoping they're going to be a soccer star and go to the Olympics. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that's not what Zoom was about. No. And let's not forget, Zoom was created during a time when we didn't have video games and we didn't have cable TV and we didn't have all this Mm -hmm. stuff. So it was a simpler time, we have to remember, when we did think it was fun when you're seven years old to see have a standing on one foot contest or play mm-hmm. the limbo or blow Cheerios across the room with a straw and see whose goes the farthest. That was a game on Zoom. And so these were all things that that were so much simpler than what kids do now. So we can yeah. watch it and go, oh, that was great. I, I don't think kids today... 10, 11, 12-year-olds would think it was as much fun, but 7, 8, 9-year-olds certainly would. 7, 8, 9-year-olds would. And I fear that the 11, 12-year-olds have been trained by society, by us, to think those things are a waste of time. Right. They're because too simple. It, it's mm-hmm. too simple. And it there's no, what's the outcome? What's the output? Where's my prize? Where's my where's my achievement? It's not, a, that's what it is. It's not achievement-oriented. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So why? Why would I participate in this if I can't be the winner? Right, right. Well, here's a fun fact. Did you guys know that the name Zoom originated from the desire to zoom in on subjects that were interesting to 7 to 12-year-olds? You're just blowing my mind right now. I love that. Carolyn, you must love that fact because I, I felt do. like the wordplay kind uh, of, I was, right? took the words right out of my mouth. Yes. I, <laughs> I thought I it was an action word. I thought it was because we were going to zoom, 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 zoom. Like, right, like zoom around. We're going to zoom across well, the studio. And they, like they did so zoom sense. too. That was That's exactly a- what it did. Because like mm-hmm. Kristen, you just talked about all the segments on Zoom. They mm-hmm. were zooming in on things like crafts yes. we can do. And you guys, do you remember how, well, Carolyn, you might not, but <laughs> there was so much paper folding. So many <laughs> fun things you could make with paper. Yes. You could make a little puppet, like a little mouth mm-hmm. that opened and closed. You could do a little origami. But they were they were simple and they would show you so so slowly and carefully. First, you fold it this way. And so you could get your own piece of construction paper out and do it. It was almost like the things you would see at school, but you didn't know how to do them. And so here was your older brother or sister showing you how to Mm -hmm. do them. So you Mm -hmm. could go to school the next day and participate in this world that you didn't have access to before. And a lot of times they were learning at the same time. Yeah, I, I would. I probably wouldn't have remembered this, but I watched a few episodes, like I said recently, and I think it was actually Bernadette. She would say, you know, she'd read the letter. She tells you if you get a piece of paper, and it was that old school construction paper, you guys, yeah. that kind that's kind of just faded. like kind of yes. faded and gritty mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And she Hopey. was reading the letter and going, "Okay, so you fold it this way," and then you should go, "No, wait." No, wait, I, I bet I, I fold it this way. So she was learning at the same time the viewers were learning. And there was a lot of value in that for us as That's, kids. I mean, right now, I am I feel like I'm overreacting to that fact. I'm not – I feel like the listeners are going, calm down, Kristen. I, but that's huge it to is. show somebody the process. This, this is about mm-hmm. the process. It's not about your achievement or what you come out with at the end. It's like, oops, and I didn't do it right. Okay, yeah. let's let's try mm-hmm. it again. That's modeling for kids how to do hard things. And that it's okay if you mess up. Look, you just yeah, start right. it again. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. The paper's still here. Let me just get back to that because I was husker dude with the construction paper mm. because yes, there were two kinds really. And I hated when I got the cheesy kind. There was like yeah. the thicker, probably grittier <laughs> one mm-hmm. you're talking about, Michelle, uh-huh. and it was sturdier. And then there was another kind and I would hate to get that kind. I was a construction paper snob, I guess is yeah. what I'm coming to realize. And that realize. was brighter. Wasn't that construction paper a little brighter? Yes. It the other wasn't. one was muted. Yes. You guys, mm-hmm. do you remember the joy of getting a new pack of construction yes. paper? And it wasn't like something I got all the time. I might get right. that with like a pack of crayons or markers. And that would be a Christmas present. Yeah, and because I you're going to make your ecstatic. Christmas, re- your, your yep. what are those called? Yeah. Chains. chains. You're going to make your Christmas mm-hmm. chains. Mm-hmm. I still make chains. Mm-hmm. Put them and in my office when I'm counting paper, down something. Just, but I don't I have construction like paper. That. I'm going to go to Michael's and see if they have old school construction paper. The I'm pulpy kind. Yeah, pulpy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. It's pulpy. Mm-hmm. It's kind of rough. It's like you made it in your bathtub. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> from With Zoom, you got you. Yes. Zoom With taught you how to do it. <laughs> I'm going to write a letter to Zoom. So like we've said, uh, listeners, basically Zoom was nothing more than that group of raggedy kids all sitting around in a basement talking about the benign things kids talk about. Like, what's something you believed when you were little that you don't believe anymore? That's literally a question from a Zoom episode. And doing the basic craft, silly skits, or the limbo for six minutes. <laughs> I don't know why we loved it, but we but did. we did. We did. But Zoom also packed a punch we probably didn't see coming when we were kids. There was a true method to their madness. It wasn't all hopping on one foot contests. <laughs> and it was disguised in that group of ragtag kids we all loved and admired, as well as in a really important segment called Zoom Guest. So the Zoom Guest presented an opportunity for the show to address racial, gender, and ableist hierarchies, basically by celebrating the autonomy of children from all backgrounds and all abilities to do interesting and difficult things, um, or simple things, but interesting right. nonetheless, right? Mm -hmm. The Zoom guest was often somebody whose family had maybe emigrated from another country. They featured kids who spoke more than one language in their homes. They showed kids who served as translators for their parents. And they were honest about how hard it was. They would be like, when we came here, we didn't know a word of English and we didn't have any friends, but now we do. <laughs> and basically what Zoom was doing was humanizing marginalized people for the viewers, for us, before they had a chance to create negative stereotypes. Yep. Mm -hmm. And this was not unusual for the time. In the late 1960s and 1970s, people were breaking free from the more restrictive notions of the 1950s. And new projects like Zoom helped create very liberal ideas for a younger generation. Liberal meaning you are free to be you mm -hmm. and me, mm -hmm. right? right? Everyone is welcome Wasn't and valued. About the same time? Same time, 1972. About the same time that yes. that album was so That's big. what we mean by liberal. We're basically talking about equal rights and opportunities for all people. This is a reflection of the era's very progressive activism, but also of how they were trying to make that activism intergenerational. Kids are people, too. In the 50s, children should be seen and not heard. In the 1970s, we want to hear what the kids have to say. Mm -hmm. And that's very empowering. So, and they did this in the Zoom guest segment, but also in the regular cast by showcasing the experiences of a very diverse group of children and celebrating kids with unusual talents or histories. This inclusivity was also the foundation of both Sesame Street and Electric Company. Mm -hmm. We talked about this in our Sesame Street episode, how this was the only exposure some of us had to people who were not white. I lived in a tiny farming town that was all white and mm -hmm. from what I could tell, mostly Lutheran. <laughs> so they were creating in us, a comfort with people who didn't look like us in hopes that when we grew up, we could judge people fairly instead of based on fears or stereotypes. So the importance of that mission was put to the test in 1974. Zoom was produced at a time of significant racial conflict in Boston when a federal judge found that the city schools in Boston had essentially been practicing a form of segregation. The remedy for that? Busing. Such a simple word with such heavy meaning to those of us who grew up in the 70s. So busing was both white and black students would be bused to schools outside of their neighborhoods. They would be separated from their friends. They would be going to new places. Some people would be going to schools that were deemed very good. And some people would be bused to schools that were deemed very bad in hopes of equating the education that people were getting. And the response was swift. It was violent and bigotry and hatred was being hurled at children. It was bad, and a full third of white children left the Boston public schools. This was the climate in which Zoom and the Zoom cast existed. So not only did Zoom feature the kids who people might be hurling epithets at, they also featured a Zoom rap segment where they let the cast of kids sit down and discuss this super contentious issue. This is astonishing. And one girl, a white girl from South Boston, also known as Southie, where the busing conflicts were especially bad, suggested in this Zoom rap that, this is a quote from her, the whites should stay with the whites, the blacks should stay with the blacks, the Puerto Ricans should stay with the Puerto Ricans. 
And the other Zoomers were like, no, 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 no. And they were saying things like, that would be boring. I mean, they didn't have a, a very robust conversation because they're children, but they were clearly saying, no, that's not right. We all need to be friends. But they ended the Zoom segment in very typical Zoom fashion with all the Zoomers agreeing that they should all live together in peace, which is what kids need. They need to know that things are hard, but everything is going to be okay. And also they're modeling that we can talk about this, (coughs) which I think is so important in those segments on Zoom where they did just open a letter and read a question, and then they all shared their own opinion, and especially on one as controversial as that. But let's listen to the kids and let's let the kids talk to each other about it and let's model because, you know, parents are watching this too with their kids Mm -hmm. or they're walking by as it's on. But I just think that's so, that's so powerful to show to kids. We can talk about this and nobody yelled at the girl. Right. That I think that's that expressed the very the very opposing opinion. Right. Because they all did say no, no, but nobody like hit her. Well, no, and she was the only she was the only one that was kind of saying that each group should stay with their own group, and she's addressing other cast members who are of those nationalities as well. But nobody, like you just said, Michelle, no one yelled at her. No one said that's stupid. It was a very just wholesome, for lack of a better word, conversation. I mean, it was childlike where no we should be together and we should all get along but there were some real nuggets in there i was so impressed that one they let it stay in because of how controversial that topic was and two just how these kids were kind of figuring it out in a very friendly way they created such a safe space to have these Mm -hmm. types of conversations and so many kids watching don't didn't have that safe space probably with their own friend groups or their own right. family groups. And their parents. So yeah. that's why this right. was even more important for them to see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some of the parents of those children watching would be the parents hurling epithets exactly. at children. Absolutely. No less. Right. right. And 100%. so out of the mouths of babes exactly. comes, you know, let's not, let's not say those mean things to each other. We should be better people than that. But that absolutely is what we felt, I felt at least, Absolutely. watching Zoom, that I could be part of that if it was because of the conversations they were having, if it was because they didn't dance that well, if it was because <laughs> they sang off key, if it was because we all saw ourselves in that and that felt safe to us. Yeah, mm-hmm. it really did. Mm-hmm. It was a place for us to free to be you and me. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Zoom similarly modeled gender equity with all Zoomers, boys and girls, leading dances and crafts and games, as well as all dressing the exact same. Those striped yep. tops, that was mm-hmm. very intentional. Rewatching all the season's openings, I have to say, there are definitely some Zoomers who are fairly androgynous. Yeah, I can't and, tell if yeah. it's a boy or a girl. There were times when I, as a child, I remember wondering, is that a boy or a girl? Now we know it doesn't really matter. No, but at but, the time, mm-hmm. I needed I needed to know, and it was not apparent. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty And that funny. is by design. Because yeah. it doesn't matter. Because no, it doesn't right, matter. No. And also, this was at a time when girls were being encouraged to shed whatever, uh, you know, boxes they were being told to exist in. You have to wear bows in your hair. And right. You have to wear pretty dresses. And, and no, actually, you don't. You no. can wear a striped shirt and have messy hair. Well, and some of the girls had very short boy haircuts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some of the girls didn't, but even the girls with long hair, it was just because they were playing. They mm-hmm. were in play clothes. They were I in- mean, they were all parted down the middle, mm-hmm. yeah. just hanging down there. Yep. <laughs> Nothing special. And once again, it was the Zoom guest segment that usually highlighted gender equality. We were seeing mm-hmm. kids pushing these boundaries in the early and mid-70s. These are examples of Zoom guests. Linda Mills was a Colorado cowgirl. Right. Another Zoom guest named Marianne Gilman ran a coal-fired steam engine at a museum and told viewers, when I grow up, I want to be an engineer. And I'm sort of a women's liber, and I'm trying to make first lady engineer in New England. <laughs> you go, Marianne Gilman. Some of those Zoom guests in these segments, I was like, how old are you? I mean, I they know. had some really mature jobs. The girl that was like the radio dispatcher for the taxi company. I mean, like, how do you do that? That seemed very stressful to me. That is such a famous Zoom guest. That one gets passed around a lot. Someone DM'd us that not too long ago. One of my favorite Zoom guest segments. 
and to listen to her Boston accent and the old ladies that drive the taxi cabs that are, well, no, I need to finish my lunch. And she's trying to eat her like tuna sandwich in the car. She's got the glasses with the, like the old grandmas drive the taxi yeah, but cabs. I was so impressed with the responsibility that some of these kids had. Or one I watched um, yesterday was there was a boy that works at um, a gas station and he was like taking the yeah. tires down and working on the car. And they were like my age when I yeah. would have been watching yeah. this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm super impressed. And I love that even boys were shown pushing gender boundaries. There was a Zoom guest named Sean Savoy, who was a ballet dancer in New York, and talked about the prejudice he faced as a male ballet dancer. So not only were they were they showing us girls doing traditional boy things or boys doing traditional girl things, Zoom, like I said earlier, it was creating the safe space for discussion. And yeah. the Zoomers often had those on air. Like even maybe after a Zoom guest came on, they would they would talk about it. And this is where change happens. When you allow people to voice what may be an unpopular opinion, you allow them to voice that so that you can then talk about it instead of canceling them. So we've talked about the diversity in, uh, in terms of ethnicity and gender. Zoom did a wonderful job of highlighting kids with disabilities. You have to remember, we didn't, at least I didn't, have any classes, really any interaction with children with disabilities. There was no mainstreaming Mm -hmm. until 1975 when the Education for All Handicapped Children Act was passed. And after that was when we started to see some mainstreaming. So it wasn't going to be until the late 70s that we were maybe going to be having some interaction at all with some differently abled students. Zoom really had a mission of highlighting children with disabilities and their talents and skills. Like they had just different abilities. Mm -hmm. From its first very first season, Zoom shared stories of kids like David Wood. So David was blind. His segment was filmed at the Perkins School for the Blind, and it showed his woodworking skills. He was making a toy. He used a Braille ruler to make this toy. So we were actually, as viewers, watching a child who could not see do this incredible thing that even sighted people would have problems doing. Mm -hmm. And it just made us, as viewers, think, okay, this is somebody that's just like me. They can do this thing that I can't even do. Another episode included subtitles for children, and it had a child who was hearing impaired, Roland Granford. He attended a summer camp run by the American School for the Deaf, and he was a competitive basketball player. And I want to stop and say, probably up until that point, had we ever even seen subtitles? Had it even occurred to us? Like, there might be some kids or adults who can't hear what's happening on this TV screen. What... How simple is it to just run these words across the bottom and they could have this opportunity? That episode was so popular that um, so many viewers wrote in and wanted to get information on how they could learn American Sign Language. Oh, my gosh. Well, I was thinking, isn't that back in the, can't you just hear the guy saying closed caption for the hearing impaired? I think it almost maybe was more of, became a thing in the 80s. I'm not sure. I think it was 80s. Yeah, I Um, think you're right. But here we were as children getting to see that this is an option and these are kids that can do things as well. What I thought was a a really cool fact was that the U.S. Department of Education provided funding for Zoom to create eight Zoom guest segments that touched on these experiences of children with disabilities. And so even the government knew that Zoom had this great avenue of reaching kids and were willing to provide funding, which Zoom always needed, for these eight segments. And I think that was um, another testament to how important Zoom was to to viewers and to society for that matter. You know, this is why representation is so important. If you never see yourself on a TV show, if you never hear yourself on the radio, it's you feel like you don't exist or no one deems you important at all. Well, other than the Zoom guest, like Kristen said earlier, the show had a bunch of other fun segments that were on repeat each week, starting with that familiar opening song that ended with, who are you? What do you do? do? How How are you? And what made it especially fun for us to watch, each Zoomer's introduction, um, came with a little talent they showcased, like Bernadette's arm trick. Everybody do Bernadette's arm trick. Here we go. (laughs) Wait, I got to stand up. I know. 
Okay, so I want to ask you, Kristen and Carolyn, if mm-hmm. you were a Zoomer and you got to say, I'm Kristen, my name is Carolyn, <laughs> what would your little trick have been when you were, let's say, eight? I can, I can balance a spoon on my nose. Nice. Mm-hmm. Oh, yep. very nice. Yep. I can walk the dog with a yo-yo. You cannot. Do the yo-yo. Okay. I just did the Amelia Bedelia thing. I was like, you mean like walk him and then do the yo-yo at the same time? Can you still do it? I I haven't played with a yo-yo. You guys, is that a lost skill? Like, yeah, just skill or a lost hobby? Let's bring back the the yo-yo. Remember walk the dog? That's impressive. Yes. There was walk the dog and the one where you could tick-tock the... In a triangle, cradle or something. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I was going to say mine would have been some sort of, I was really good at all the finger um, strings. Oh, cat's cradle. The cat's cradle and stuff. Mm -hmm. But that, you had only a very split second to do your talent, and that would have taken too long. So I think mine would have been a tap move. Like I would have done like a buffalo. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm Michelle. Da 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 da. And I would have done a little (laughs) buffalo. Yeah. And let's say the variety of skills that were, skills are in air quotes here, people, that these, the children showed when they introduced themselves were varied. I mean, some it was a somersault, <laughs> if you want to call it a somersault. Yeah, right. Can I share a fun story I read about Bernadette's arm thingy? Yeah. Um, I mean, she calls it the arm thing, I think, even yeah, I think to this thing, day. Yeah. And she knew that she was going to have to share a talent in her introduction, was kind of freaking out a little bit because she didn't know what she was going to do. So she asked her dad, who was um, a research scientist, he's the one who suggested this visual trick. And it actually came from a Chinese opera. It was a move that the warlords did with swords, like blades on a helicopter. So mm-hmm. it was she obviously mm-hmm. didn't use a sword, but the same <laughs> effect could be made with this interlocking elbow maneuver. And so that's all she had when she went into the audition. She's like, I'm going to go with it. Actually, she even said she was kind of embarrassed because before the show, she just wanted to be like an American. She wanted to assimilate. She didn't want to be seen as different. She was made fun of at school because... The lunches she would bring would smell different. Kids would make fun of her. So the fact that her skill, her talent that she was bringing to the show was coming from this Chinese opera didn't quite sit well with her. And you guys, I mean, it's a part of our American pop culture now. The arm thing. Yes. It's a Gen X thing. I mean, besides the zip code, I think it's the most memorable thing that people took away from this show. Everybody knows how to do it. (laughs) And when I mastered it, I felt so accomplished. Mm-hmm. I know. Like I had just learned how to do a time step or something like right. that. Right. I like know. Like this was a and real skill. It could be a little dangerous. I remember a couple of times like smacking my face <laughs> <laughs> or like you just clunked your arms together, like your wrists would hit and it would really, really yeah. hurt. It's time to roll out the okay, you guys, let's talk about the zoom barrel and letters. Okay, so for those of you who might not remember, at the end of Zoom episodes, there was another little catchy song, and the cast would encourage viewers to send letters, ideas, original writings, artwork, and that's when they belted out that famous zip code. I'll let oh, you guys do it. Two, two, one, one three, three, four. That's right. And you guys, if you think about it, this might have been the original kind of um, user-generated content. We have so much of that now mm-hmm. in all of our social media stuff and our media, but this might have been one of the first times that we were encouraged to participate and Mm -hmm. provide content. And let me tell you, kids provided that content. Tens of thousands of letters came in to the Zoom offices, and every single one of those was answered. Okay? Isn't that crazy? Can you imagine? By volunteers. Because Zoom's budget was so low, a little side note here, the reason they have these striped shirts was when they started the show, their budget was so low, these striped kind of rugby shirts were on sale at Sears oh. for $5 a piece. And they were... <gasps> from Sears. Yes, they were oh Sears. God. That's so Gen X. Right. Yeah, it is. So obviously we are um, very thrifty on the set of Zoom, cardboard uh, mm-hmm. sets, oh, yeah. props, all of that kind of stuff. So needless to say, when they are sending back the answers to these letters they got... They couldn't provide the postage. So that meant that the viewers needed to send in a oh Sazy. Oh my God. That's another thing that we all remember from Zoom. Right. 
And for those of you who might not remember, this would be a self-addressed stamped envelope. And you guys, what I loved, and kids today need to go back and watch some of these episodes. They detailed step-by-step how to address a letter, what to put in the return address, where the stamp goes, line by line by line. And of course, the letter lover in me loves that. Mm -hmm. There's nothing, you guys, listeners, if you don't already know that about me, there is nothing like a handwritten letter. To see someone's handwriting on an envelope and then to read inside to know they touched it and all of those things. Letters drove every segment of the show. Literally, they would just grab out a letter and they would read it. Without viewers' letters, there wasn't a show. There wasn't a show. Yeah, they Mm -hmm. probably couldn't afford writers. Right. (laughs) Right. And the letters spanned the gamut. Viewers wrote in about their own problems and hoped to get some advice from our cast members. Kids of color who had fewer chances in the 70s than now to see themselves represented on television often wrote directly to the Zoomers of their own race. And Kristen, as I mentioned earlier, you'll find this interesting. Some wrote in just to say they had a crush on different members of the cast. (laughs) And these letters were so sweet and so much a part of the show. These letters have been archived in a special online exhibition on a website called Zoom, Children's Community and Public Television in the 1970s. So you can go online and we will provide a link in the Weekly Reader, where you can go online and see these letters as they were written in the handwriting of these kids. Yeah, they're so cute. We'll we'll not only provide the link in this week's Weekly Reader, but we'll do a few screenshots of the letters so you can mm-hmm. see yes. them. I love, there was a segment that was recurring through all the seasons, and it's called Fanny Dooley. And they would actually have listeners write in and say, I have a Fanny Dooley. And it could be things like, Fanny Dooley likes sweets, but not candy. Fanny Dooley likes zoos, but not animals. Fanny Dooley likes pools and swimming, but not water. It would drive you crazy. Like what? You have to figure it out. The Fanny Dooley was like this thread, this riddle thread that lasted. And those of you who are listening never figured out Fanny Dooley. I'm going to spoil it for you right now. Fanny Dooley only likes words with double letters. Sometimes they would read entire stories that viewers would write in about Fanny Dooley. Fanny Dooley went to the zoo, but she didn't like any of the animals. You know, Fanny Dooley went swimming in the pool. But she hated the water, and they would go on and on. And once I figured that out, I loved it when a Fanny Dooley letter would come because I felt like I get it. I'm going to go through the day now thinking about Fanny Dooley's. I'm going to be creating Fanny Dooley's in my head all day. Let's create It's a good trick for Gen Xers Mm -hmm. to keep their brains sharp. Yeah. Well, those ones I just read, I thought of my very very own self last night. Yeah, (gasps) You're so competent. Bye-bye, Fubbokes. Subby, bye-bye, Tubby. Okay, you can go into Ubby Dubby now. Okay. I hope, please tell me you're going to talk in it. Um, of course. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, for maybe, the Momobos to be forward pub art above Zuboom. But besides the Abarm Tribic, what was speaking die. I'm fangirling out so hard right now. That about what was Hubbard? I can't do it. I bet 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 I I, I felt really, thank yes. you. I'm taking a bow right now. Thank you. I felt so grown up, so grown up. Like I had finally arrived. I studied Ubby Dubby and I just, just like they intended, it made me feel like I was one of them. And it became a hallmark of our generation, Ubby Dubby did. Okay, Actually, can that, I, Kristen, can, yeah. for those of us who maybe didn't watch Zoom as yeah. much as we should have. Can you give a little background on exactly what Ubby Dubby is? Okay, so Ubby Dubby, it's when you listen to them speak it, you think that it's going to be something that is very difficult to learn. But it's just one thing. It's just one thing. All you do is add a B into every syllable. So this you is like a, 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 BB a made up language boo. from Zoom. Is that? Oh, well, yes. 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 Okay. Oh. It is a language that they be speaking on Zoom. 
I still can't do it. <laughs> and I tried for years and years. That has to be a brain thing. That yeah. has to be like, – because I couldn't do it that fast. I can't even read a sentence here that's right in front of me in order f- fast. Well, that's why we kebab, teach ch- um, language to ibn. young children instead of adults because you can learn it when you're young. <laughs> and I think that yeah. counts for ubby-dubby too. <laughs> that's totally true. Yeah, it's totally true. Um, we got a comment on um, on our Zoom post on IG that on Instagram that cracked me up. Sherry said that when she was applying to colleges and they asked what languages do you speak, she was just dying to write ubby dubby. She's like, I can do it. I can if you just give me a chance. Can I please yes. write ubby dubby? Are you fluent in any language, yes. Sherry? Oh, that well, would have gotten her into so many colleges. Just yes. put, writing that down as the answer. Yes, they would have thought, good for you. At least Boston, mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, Emerson. <laughs> right. Um, Maybe I should. I th- I should be putting that on my resume. Actually. Well, Kristen, did your friends also speak? Like, were you able to be in conversation with people? Oh, yes. Oh, double double B. I am so anxious right now. I can't even. Like, I almost want to take my headphones off listening to that. It's just. It's not even on. Like within my brain to comprehend this. It's so. I can't even. I almost want to throw up. It's just a lot. Honestly, on Zoom, I often didn't know what they were saying. I couldn't. And so oh, no. I, I'm going to say I'm better than the Zoom kids because I hope you can understand what I'm saying. But I often had no idea what they were saying. Yeah. See, it just was another fabulous to me, like a fabulous club ritual that you mm-hmm. can do. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't well, do Kristen, it. Kristen, maybe you need to take this. You know how you say, oh, if you are ever had a dinner party or a cocktail <laughs> party, I want you yes. to do that. And does anyone speak... Is it Abu Dhabi? Is Abu Dhabi. Yeah. U-B-B-I. Or what if, you went, what if you went up to somebody and, and just, just introduced to... yourself? Yes. Like, how about yes. Adam Kribistibin? What is Bibin? I want oh, you to do it. Do you okay. do? We I need to have that as like a little segment that we go and we like record behind her, kind of like on Jimmy Kimmel or something where she goes up to people. Our age-ish, and yeah. we'll record and see if somebody just starts conversing right back with her. Wouldn't that be – my head would explode if somebody would just be started conversing back. I buy my a TV with your barber. Wow. I love yeah. it so much. Okay, so before we go, I want to share a comment that we had on our Instagram post about Zoom, which is just so funny. This comes from um, Midlife Mixtape, who is also Nancy Davis Co., author of a book called The Thank You Project. And she says – Surely I have told you that my lifelong friend, Kitty Hart Burton, was related to the series creator. And one time the Zoom cast was in Rochester, New York, that's Nancy's home, to put on a live show. And they had a cast party at Kitty's house afterward. She and I stood there like two nine-year-old bumps on a log because we were completely overwhelmed with the proximity of the Zoom kids. I do remember one of the boys wore clogs, and it seemed impossibly cosmopolitan. (laughs) I love that so yeah, much. I love that. She, we have ended a, it, she, she ended it with, it was Wub and Dubberful. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Good job. This discussion proves that Zoom is just another reason we're all so lucky to have come of age when we did. Our media, even if it was limited to three channels, was providing a lot of us with lessons that we weren't getting in our classrooms. And so what if it was delivered in the form of messy-haired kids who seemed a little bit out of place and had a funny made-up language? Those were the very things that made us feel seen and included, which was equally as important as all the lessons we soaked in that have stuck with us for decades including the zip code for Boston, Mass. Oh, two, one, three, four. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll talk with you again next week. This episode is sponsored by our Patreon supporters and our PayPal donors. Thank you so much to Julie, Jennifer, Amy, Denise, Scott, Timothy, Nina, and another Julie. In the meantime, let's raise our glasses for a toast, courtesy of Jack and Janet and Chrissy on Three's Company. Two good times. Two happy days. To Little House on the Prairie. Cheers. 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 
The information, opinions, and comments expressed on the Pop Culture Preservation Society podcast belong solely to Carolyn, the Crushologist, and Hello Newman, and are in no way representative of our employers or affiliates. And though we truly believe we are always right, there is always a first time. The PCPS is written, produced, and recorded in Minneapolis, Minnesota, home of the fictional WJM Studios and our beloved Mary Richards. Nanu Nanu, keep on trucking, and may the force be with you.